listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Uh, Today I wanted to give you something that uh, more and more I'm seeing, I'm noticing. um, And as you, isn't it funny, like how as you get older, you know, in life, you start to notice different things. You know, when you're a kid, there's a lot of things you don't pick up on, a lot of things you don't notice. And then I'm sure it's based on, you know, where your focus is set as you're growing up. When you're a teenager, a lot of things you miss as a teenager. But um, as you get older, you start to pick up on a lot more things and you notice a lot more. And one of the things that now after 20 years of ministry, I can't believe that um, I've been in ministry now for 20 years. It seems like it's flown by. But I'm noticing that Everybody that started out with me is not still uh, doing what God's called them to do. And I guess the longer that you live, the more you'll see things like that. And um, I'm sure you've noticed it with maybe friends or family members that, you know, at one time they were running their race and doing what the Lord called them to do. But then, you know, as as time went on, maybe they uh, they got discouraged, maybe they fell away. And so today I wanted to deal with this subject of why many Christians never uh, complete their race, run their race, finish the course, if you will, as Paul said. And um, by the way, I want to encourage you. Hey, what's up, South Africa? Good to see you. I love you, Mike. Um, let, let, me, let me take you real quickly to uh, 2 Timothy. Because um, if, you, if you don't know that, uh, that this is the case, 2 Timothy is Paul's final letter. The Apostle Paul, it's his finer, final letter that he ever wrote, uh, and he wrote it to his son in the gospel, Timothy. And he wrote it in captivity. He was a prisoner in Rome. And um, he writes this final letter, and um, he's encouraging Timothy who, I mean, I could say a whole lot about Timothy and, and the help that Paul gave him and who he became as a result of Paul's mentorship and spiritual fatherhood. But in this final letter that Paul ever wrote, he confirms something to Timothy that I think needs to be confirmed for every one of us in our lives. And I'm in the final chapter of this final letter. And um, Paul writes to Timothy, and I'm going to read you Uh, verses six and uh, seven. This is second Timothy chapter four, verses six and seven. Listen to this. Paul said, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. So he knows he's, they're getting ready to execute him in Rome. Verse seven, but I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So three things I want you to see that Paul affirms here. Number one, I have fought the good fight. Number two, I have run the race. And number three, I have finished the course. You see that? Three things I want to get into your spirit today. Number one, I have fought 
the fight. Well, that's, that's what we're called to do. We're called to fight the good fight of faith. And uh, I have run my race, and finally, I've finished my course. Now, whether people realize it or not, these three things go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. Number one, I have fought the good fight. I have run the race, and I have finished the course. Praise God. And um, I want you to get this, because one of the things that we have to realize is that many Christians, as I said in the title, um, have not completed their course. They've not finished their race because in the midst of uh, what they've been called to do, they get discouraged and they quit. They get discouraged and they slow down. They get discouraged and they fall away. And I'm going to deal with that on this broadcast today because now more than ever, we need to walk in that strength of encouragement as we're running the race, finishing the course. You know, if you know as well as I do, you look around and recognize Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. And as he is coming soon, we've got to be ready, not just to see him when he comes, but ready in that we are doing and have completed what he's called us to do. Check those three things out one more time. Uh, number one, I have, I have fought the good fight. I have run thy race and I have finished my course. So let's, uh, yeah. So you kneel, don't be discouraged. That's why I felt to do this in my spirit because I know there's people even connected to the victory tribe. You know, we're halfway through this year of divine possession and the enemy does not want you to have what God said you can have or be who he's called you to be. I just got a message, uh, from my pastor, Bishop Rick Thomas. And he said to me, and this is what he's been saying, you know, since the beginning uh, of the years, we've been pressing in for greater. But he said, you know, one of the things people need to recognize is that all that we've done in the first six months of 2022 is really setting us in position for the last six months of 2022. And so I want you to be encouraged and feel the excitement in your spirit that what we did through the first part of this year is going to cause us to explode into manifestation and productivity in the second part of this year. And I'm telling you, I feel, I feel the momentum of that on my spirit, that what we have completed in obedience and faithfulness and dedication in the first six months is going to explode in productivity and manifestation in the last six months. In fact, he was, he was just uh, encouraging me on the phone two days ago. And he said, I'm telling you, get ready because things are getting ready to move very quickly. Things are getting ready to move very swiftly in Jesus name. And I received that word uh, by the power of the Holy Ghost, that things are getting ready to move very quickly, very swiftly in Jesus name. And as we hit July through December, get your faith out and get ready because God's getting ready to do something like we've never seen it before. You know, and I was with Pastor Bill Motley uh, last week in Danville, Virginia. I had the Lord uh, asking me to speak to the people of God regarding this subject. It's going to be something like we've never seen before. It's going to be manifestations like we've never had before. It's going to be, and I, and I recognize the context, but recognize uh, 1 Corinthians 2.9. Things that no eye has seen. Things that no ear has heard. No heart has imagined it. What? The things that God has prepared and set aside for those that love him. 
And so I want you to be encouraged right off the bat. I know there's people that are, um, I know there's people that are uh, uh, making transitions in their lives. Things may be changing for you, but I want you to say this out of your mouth today. Things are changing for the better. I want you to declare that. Even if you look forward and you're like, man, I'm kind of unsure of uh, what's going on. Declare it by faith. Things are changing for the better in Jesus' name. Things are changing for the better in Jesus' mighty name. And so three things that we see from Paul. I have fought the good fight. I have run my race. I have finished my course. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In fact, do like, do like Jackie did. Put it in the comments. Everybody's doing it. Things are changing for the better. That's our confession in Jesus' name. That's our confession. Things are changing for the better. And so get this now in your spirit. I've run. I've fought the good fight. I've run my race. I've finished the course. And uh, one of the main reasons that people do not finish their course, run their race, is because of this discouragement aspect. The Bible refers to it as a spirit of heaviness. A spirit of heaviness. We don't allow the spirit of heaviness to take us out, to overcome us, to overtake us. I'll, I will not allow it in Jesus' name. But Paul knew this as well. And so as he's writing to the Galatians, and for those of you that are in Bible study made simple, we're going to get here shortly where, where Paul is uh, speaking to the Galatians, and he says this in the final chapter of his letter. He says in verse 7, uh, or excuse me, verse 9, and let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Notice there's the key. There's the key. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are in the household of faith. Get this in your spirit now. Don't get weary of doing good. Hmm. Why? Because in due season, you're going to reap if you won't faint. Don't faint. Don't quit. Don't slow down. Why? You've got a due season coming. You've got a due season coming. And that due season is full of harvest. It's full of manifestation. And so don't grow weary. Don't grow weary in well-doing. And you know, this is not something that you say, well, only weak people get weary. No, this is something the devil tries with everybody. Everybody. The strongest of Christians have to uh, deal with this. The, the leaders in the body of Christ have to battle and become victorious over that uh, temptation that the enemy brings. I'm telling you, it's not just people that, well, only baby Christians think like that. No, that's not true. That's not true at all. There are people that have been leaders in the body of Christ for decades that have to have victory over those thoughts, victory over those feelings. So I want to encourage you, if you have had the enemy attack you in that way, don't let it make you feel like there's something wrong with you or make you feel like, you know, uh, I'm not the faith person God wants me to be. No, everybody, even Jesus had to deal with those feelings where he had to overcome the thoughts of his natural mind and the desires of his flesh 
and do the will of God in the midst of feeling like it's an attack. I mean, what do you think he was praying in the garden? <laughs> Nobody wants to be crucified. Nobody wants to be uh, the propitiation for sin. Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. You know, and, and so, in such distress in the garden that he sweat as it were great drops of blood. But at the end, he said, yet not my will, but your will be done. That's what Jesus said. It's exactly what Jesus said. So don't be discouraged. Don't allow yourself to be discouraged. We win the battle against discouragement. We win the battle against complacency. We win the battle against uh, that loss of momentum in our Christian life. Notice, it's not just baby Christians. The prophet Elijah had to deal with this. The prophet Elijah. <laughs> I mean, uh, one of the most supernatural men in the Old Covenant had to deal with this. Go over with me to uh, 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19. And uh, you know what the deal is. You've got Ahab and Jezebel. And Jezebel and Ahab, they're wicked people. Wicked people. And they're worshipers of Baal. Wicked. Very wicked. And they want to kill the prophets of God. Specifically Jezebel. Wants to kill the prophets of God. <laughs> I love how the Lord dealt with Jezebel. You will be eaten by dogs and then crapped out on the ground. I mean, that, that's literally the word of God over Jezebel. You will be eaten by dogs until there's nothing left and then crapped out on the ground. And that's what came to pass. But notice in, in 1 Kings chapter 19, love you, Jordan, work. In 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, Elijah's dealing with this discouragement. And the Lord has to speak to him, right? So uh, let me start reading because now he flees from Jezebel. You know, they're trying to kill him. And so Elijah flees from Jezebel. And then he comes now and the Bible says in verse 9, I'm in 1 Kings 19, 9. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? And he said, well, I've been very jealous for the Lord, for the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even only I am left and they seek my life to take it away. Notice he's complaining to God. He's complaining to God. What's he saying? I'm the only one left that's doing what you want me to do. And they're trying to kill me, God. Notice. And you go back and you continue reading. And he said, uh, verse 11, and he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And he went and behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke it in pieces, the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Notice that. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, oh, it says the same thing. I've been very jealous for the Lord, you know. And then he said, look, I'm the only one that's left. And he said, no, no. He said, I want you to understand something. You're not the only one that's left. 
The Lord spoke to him and said, Go return your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you'll sh you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of uh, Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that's not kissed him. I want you to catch a few things from this passage. Number one, what does God do for Elijah to kickstart him back in? He gives him fresh instructions. Put this in the comments. Number one, he gives him fresh instructions. When Elijah feels like quitting, when Elijah's full of discouragement, when Elijah's depressed, what does he do? God gives him new instructions. What's he doing? Pointing him right back to his purpose again. Pointing him right back to his purpose. And then encourages him with this thought. You're not the only one. I've got 7,000, 7,000 that have not bowed their knee to Baal or kissed him. 7,000. So the Lord lets him know, number one, I'm not done using you yet. Hallelujah. I mean, you ought to say that out loud right where you're watching. God's not done using me. God's not done using me. God's not done using me. And so here he lets him know, I'm not done using you yet. And then on top of that, God says to him, I've got fresh instructions for you. And there's thousands that have not bowed their knee to Baal. You're not the only one. So the Lord lets you know, you're not isolated. You're not isolated. That's what the devil loves to make you feel like. You're isolated. There's nobody going through what you're going through. There's nobody dealing with what you're dealing with. And the Lord says, no, actually, there's thousands doing what, what they're called to do, and you're one of them. But, but notice, the Lord says something right at the beginning of this passage, this story, that I think all of us need to say to ourselves the way the Lord said it to Elijah when we find ourselves in this place. Are you ready for it? Notice, Elijah retreated, he escaped, and he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Notice, the Lord is snapping him out of this mindset, snapping him out. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? And, and, and I want you to hear this. When the enemy tries to attack you, if you even catch yourself for a moment slowing down, taking your foot off the gas, becoming discouraged, getting depressed, you need to snap yourself up and by the Holy Ghost, ask yourself the question, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? That's the question. Snap yourself out of it and say, in the name of Jesus, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. The prophets of God didn't belong in hiding. They, they carry the power of God. What am I doing here? What's going on? I need to get, I need to snap out of this slump. I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one working uh, for God. I'm not the only one that's following the name of Jesus. And you know, as you, uh, as you live longer, you'll, you'll see it. People start to look around and say, man, with this wicked culture I'm in, I feel like I'm the only one living for God. You're not the only one living for God. God's got a remnant. God's got a group of people that are not going to bow their knee to the spirit of this world. So when you start to feel it, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? And you snap yourself out 
and you get fresh instructions from the Lord and you get back into your purpose, you get back into your calling and you say, I refuse to allow the lies of the devil to stop who I'm called to be and hinder my purpose. What am I doing here? And so catch this now. Back to 2 Timothy, the three things Paul said. I have fought the good fight. I have run my race. I have finished my course. So I want you to uh, say this by faith today. I'm anointed to finish my course. And you are. Put that in the comments. I'm anointed to finish my course. Hallelujah. I'm anointed to finish my course. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, you are Rachel Howard. Yes, you are Crystal Robinson. Robinson. Yes, you are Bonnie. Come on. Yes, you are Carol, Pastor Jordan, Yanil, Luanda, Jessica. You are anointed to finish your course. Come on. Don't be discouraged. Don't let the devil try to take you out with these lies. What am I doing here? First of all, Paul said, I've fought the good fight. I have fought the good fight. I'm over now in Ephesians chapter six. And uh, one of the things that we know, and before I go there, don't forget, the word of God encourages us to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. Glory to God. Let me read that to you before we go to, and you can get in hold if you want, Ephesians chapter 6. But let me pop over real quick. Um, to 1 Timothy 6.12. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. Get this in your heart now. Only fighters are qualified to be winners. Get it in your spirit. Get it in your heart. Only fighters are qualified to be winners. Thank you, Jesus. Only fighters are qualified to be winners. You're a fighter. You're called. You're anointed to fight. Thank you, Jesus. You are anointed to fight the good fight of faith. You will lay hold on eternal life. Now, we're in Ephesians chapter 6, and I want you to get it now. The Bible says, uh, Paul's encouraging the church here in verse 10. Finally, as he finishes his letter, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power or strength of his might. And put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So notice, one of the things that we always do as we fight the good fight of faith is that we put on the whole armor of God. We put on the whole armor of God. See, why do we do that? Because Paul said when we do, we can stand against the schemes of the devil. This discouragement, this depression is one of the schemes of the devil, without question. It's one of the schemes of the devil. 
And so we put on the full armor of God. We say, well, what, which part of God's armor uh, is going to be the one that's going to help me with these schemes of the devil of discouragement and depression? Well, think about it. We have the helmet of salvation, yes. We have the breastplate of righteousness, true. We have the uh, belt of truth, the Bible says. And we've got the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. But I want you to catch this now. As you put on the belt of truth, well, what is truth? God's word is truth. As you put on the belt of truth, notice it's the thing that's holding all these things together, but also the shield of faith, which is able to quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. And then, of course, you have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I believe these three elements are three elements that will cause you to be successful and victorious against these lies of discouragement and depression. Number one, the belt of truth. I'm filling myself with the word of God. I am girding myself with the word of God. Girded and guarded with the word. Now, when the thoughts of discouragement and the thoughts of depression are being fired at me, I am lifting up the shield of faith and every single one of those is being quenched by the shield of faith, completely put out by the shield of faith. And then, but one thing I want you to get in your, in your spirit, this will help you. I want you to remember this and I, and I would help to, to put it in the comments as well. I want you to write this down. I have a shield and a sword. That's so vital. So vital. I have a shield and a sword. And if you want to write and in all capital letters to, to, to accentuate that, I would. And the reason is many Christians only think about the fact I've got a shield of faith. God didn't just give you a shield of faith. He gave you a sword as well. Amen. And so, so get this now. I have a shield and a sword. And so I want to give you, there's my friend Joel Toller from the UK. Love you, man. I want to give you this, this method. Watch now. If we're in battle, and, and the Bible says we are in battle. What does it say? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities, against cosmic powers over present darkness and spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So as we are in spiritual warfare, I want to give you the method. Are you ready? I want to give you the move that you're called to make. This is your move. If you don't have any warrior moves, I'm going to give you a move. And, and this is it because there are things that are being launched at you. The shield is held up, quenches every fiery dart, but then the counter, you come back and you swing your sword. The shield is up and then you swing your sword. It's a counter. And I want to explain why that's important. What, something only so one, Some people only do one thing. They hold the shield up, hold the shield up, hold the shield up. But notice, you've got a shield and a sword. And so I'm not just blocking because you could say, well, I survived that. Those came at me last month, but man, I survived that. No, no, no. It's not about surviving that. Notice they come in, boom, quench every fiery dart shield. And then I am now I'm on the offense and I am going at the kingdom of darkness with the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. 
And I'm not just blocking every attack. I am now destroying the forces of darkness with the word of God. With the word of God. Hallelujah. I block every attack, but I cut down the forces of darkness that have tried to set up in my family, my mind, my body, my finance, whatever it is. I, we cut it down with the word. So God didn't just call you to be on the defense. We're called to be on offense. That's so vital. We're not called to be on the defense. We're called to be on offense. On offense. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8 that the Son of God was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Thank you, Jesus. He wasn't here just trying to survive the devil. He was here to destroy the works of the devil. Remember that. And we're, to, we're called to be like Jesus. Jesus was not here trying to uh, you know, survive the attacks of the devil. He came to destroy the works of the devil and then gave us power. He said, I've given unto you all authority over all the power of the devil and nothing shall by any means harm you. All authority was given unto him and he gave unto us all authority. And what did he come to do? Destroy the works of the devil. And then he told us, John 14, 12, the works that I do, you will do also. And even greater works than these because I'm going to be with my father in heaven. What's the inference there? It's that I'll send you the Holy Spirit. The reason I'm going to be with my father in heaven when I go, I'll not leave you as orphans. I will send you another comforter. He will be with you. He'll lead you and guide you into all truth. He'll empower you. So notice what he said. The works that I do, you'll do. Why? Because I'm going to send you the Holy Ghost and you'll not just have authority, you'll have power. Woo! And I want you to declare it. I've got authority and power. You know, they're not the same word even in the Greek language. They're not the same word even in the Greek language. You have one word for authority, exousia. That means authority. But then you've got the other word, dunamis, which means power. Exousia is what Jesus gave the body. Power, dunamis, is what the Holy Ghost transferred to the body. Jesus gave us authority. And when he gave us the Holy Ghost, he gave us power. Jesus gave us authority. And when he gave us the Holy Ghost, he gave us power. I've got authority and power. Hallelujah. You have authority and power. It's not pick or choose. It's not one or the other. You've got both. You've got both. I have authority and power. I've got a shield and a sword. Hallelujah. I've got a shield and a sword. So we don't stop just quenching the fiery darts. We don't stop there. Once we've quenched them, now here I come with my sword. Here I come on the offense to destroy the works of the devil. And one of the things that we do constantly is that we let our, now this is very, this is vital. And I want to, I want to focus on this before we come to the end of this. And I pray for you because this is a habit. This will be a big takeaway today. This is a, a big idea moment right now is that the method by which you swing that sword is by constantly speaking the word of God. The method by which I swing the sword is by constantly speaking the word of God. I speak it out of my mouth. I say what God says. I speak what his word says, right? 
And this was true even in the Old Testament. And I, I thought this was so amazing as I was reading about the transition of leadership between Moses and Joshua. And you come to this place where you start to recognize there's more than just reading the Bible. There's more than just memorizing scripture. But when Joshua took leadership of the nation of Israel from Moses and Moses laid his hands on Joshua and imparted to him, there's a commission going on in the first chapter of Joshua. And um, this is what the Lord said to Joshua. And I'll drop down to um, verse 7. Joshua 1, 7, and I'm going to read 8 as well. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Now look at verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart Does he say from your heart? No. Does he say from your mind? No. He doesn't say this book of the law shall not depart from your heart or your mind. Notice what he says. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. From your mouth. What's he saying? He's saying don't stop speaking the law of God. He didn't say your heart. He didn't say your spirit. He didn't say your mind. He said your mouth. He said, if you want to see success, if you want to break through to different levels, if you want to be able to go where Moses couldn't go, right, then don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. But you shall also meditate on it day and night. So notice this, mouth, then mind, meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Three, manifestation. You see that? Mouth, mind, manifestation. Mouth, mind, manifestation. Get that in your spirit. Mouth, mind, manifestation. I keep speaking it. I keep meditating on it. And then I bring it to pass through my obedience and faithfulness, my dedication. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. The word is in my mouth. The word is in my mind. The word is being obeyed. That's manifestation. Mouth, mind, manifestation. The word is in my mouth. The word is in my mind. I meditate on it, which means if I'm meditating, it's in my spirit. It's in my heart. It's the renewal of my mind. It's the thought process of my heart, my spirit, man. It's in my mouth, it's in my mind, and then it's in manifestation. I do what the word of God says. I do what the word of God says. And see, when these things come at you and the devil tries so hard to discourage you and he tries so hard to depress you and try to get you to quit, get this now, tries to get you to quit. This is how you lift the shield, quench the dart, swing the sword. I'm not just happy with only defense mechanism. I'm not just happy quenching the fiery darts and and living in a, I'm surviving every attack. No, 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 no. I'm on the offense. I've got a sword. God didn't give you a weapon 
unless he expected you to fight. Glory to God. He didn't give you a weapon unless he expected you to fight. And we're called to fight. That's what I've been reading you today. Paul said, I've fought the good fight. And he commanded Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Only fighters are qualified to be winners. Love you, Pastor Mike. Only fighters are qualified to be winners. And so there's no way to back off the fight and expect to win. No. There's no way to back off the fight and expect to win. We are fighters by nature. I mean by supernatural nature. See, maybe you weren't even a fighter before you got saved. Maybe you're very passive. But see, when you get saved and you get the Holy Ghost in your life, it transitions you from what you used to be into what God's called you to be. And now, no matter how you were before being saved, you are now anointed to be a fighter. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I mean, I feel the anointing on this today. You're anointed to be a fighter. And, and let me just go a step further than that. You're not just called to fight. You're called to win. <laughs> Hallelujah. You're not just called to fight. You're called to win. That'd be something to write down in your notes or put it in the comments. I'm not just called to fight. I'm called to win. Glory to God. And, 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 and get this in your spirit. I love this quote from Bishop Oyedepo uh, because many times people think if they get attacked, there's something wrong with them. If the devil attacks, there's something wrong with me. I don't have enough faith. No, that's not what the Bible teaches. It is scriptural to be attacked, but it is unscriptural to be defeated. Hallelujah. That's it. It is scriptural to be attacked, but it is unscriptural to be defeated. We cannot be defeated. We cannot be defeated. I'm not just called to fight. I'm called to win. Now, the war is already won. But notice that battles are still being fought. Because the devil's that dumb that he doesn't understand. And so he still thinks through his pride and his arrogance that he can win this thing. He's already defeated. He's already defeated. So notice that although the, battle, the, the, the war has been won, battles are still being fought. And of course, we know there are battles being fought for the souls of men that are not yet saved. It's what we're doing here this week in York, Pennsylvania with the tent, is we're going after those that don't know Jesus. There are still battles being fought, but we're not just called to fight. We're called to win, called to win in Jesus' name. And we have one. The Bible says Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in his first letter, and he said, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's first Corinthians 15, 57. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So notice if you think that means he's going to give us the victory sometime in the future, that means that you don't believe Jesus has already won the victory. We're not going to get the victory. We've already got it. Because Jesus has already done what he was going to do, completed it, said it is finished, and then ascended to heaven, sat down at the right hand of the Father, and gave us the Holy Ghost. We're not going to have the victory. I've got it. You've got it. Thank you, Lord. I've got it. You've got it. In all caps, like a jealous ex-girlfriend texting her boyfriend at three in the morning, put it in the comments. We have 
the victory. We have the victory. I have the victory. Glory to God. I have the victory. And the, and you know, you know, that's the thing. It's not, it's not just that we receive it, but we act on it. I act. You know why I act victorious? Because I am victorious. You know why I speak victoriously? Because I am victorious. Hallelujah. You know why I think victorious thoughts? Because I am victorious. Glory to God. I don't expect to lose. I don't expect to diminish. I don't expect to get weaker. I don't expect to fail. I don't expect to miss opportunities. I don't expect to be destroyed. I expect to win. And I think that way because I'm already victorious. Glory to God. I think that way because it's already done for us through Christ. And so we don't expect the worst. <laughs> you know, we always say, play, you know, you know, play Plan for the best, expect the best, plan for the worst, or whatever the stupid term is. No, I expect the best. I don't call God's word a lie. I expect the best. My faith is not contingent upon the economy or the White House or the culture or the nation. I mean, what do you do to people? What do you say to people that live in a country where they don't even have a democracy? What do you say to them? Well, sorry, if you could get your government turned around where everybody could vote their leaders in and have godly leaders, then you could have victory as a Christian in your nation. You don't tell people that. It's not scriptural. I don't care what nation people live in. The word of God is what makes you victorious. The work of Christ is what makes you victorious. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. I feel faith on this broadcast today. I'm just telling you, God's stirring your faith for this next level. God's stirring your faith. The next six months of this year are going to blow you away in manifestation. As my pastor told us, and I receive it and I stand on it, we're declaring it, that what we did in dedication in the first six months of this year has set us up for the manifestations of the final six months of this year, and it's going to be so powerful that it'll blow the natural mind. People that don't even serve the Lord will have to stop and say, what in the world's going on with you? Notice you got all this stuff. How, how, How's that happening for you? How'd you get all, you know, how's that? I, I don't understand. I've, I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, there's a reason you've never seen anything like this because no eye has seen and no ear has heard and nor has it entered into the heart of any man or the imagination. The things that God has set aside and prepared for those that love him. And so we're getting ready to step into some stuff that nobody's ever seen, nobody's ever heard of in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I like that, Joel. If Jesus didn't want to prosper us and heal us, he shouldn't have because it's done already. That's right. It's already done. And so I don't care how many unbelievers pop into your feed, pop into your comments and slide into your DMs. It doesn't change what's already been done by Jesus Christ. The word is settled in heaven. You can't change the word. Much as the devil wishes he could, he can't touch the word. He can't touch Christ. He can't touch the covenant. It's done. It is finished. Hallelujah. It is finished. Last thing I'll have you write in the comments. It is finished. That powerful Greek word Jesus spoke on the cross to Telestai. It is finished. Glory to God. It is finished. And I'm going to pray today. God's imparting to you, even through this broadcast, new faith today. New faith for the victory. Because you're not called to fail. You've already won. You're called to be victorious every single day. Let this word, keep it in your mouth, 
Keep it in your mind. Keep it in manifestation. Paul said, I've fought the good fight. I've run the race. I've finished my course. You will finish your course in Jesus' name. You will finish your course in Jesus' name. You will finish your course in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You will finish your course. Woo! In Jesus' mighty name. Devil can't stop you. Father, I pray for your precious people today. Those that are watching, those that are listening on the podcast. And I thank you that no matter what the devil has launched at them, no matter what spirit of heaviness, no matter what depression, no matter what discouragement, it breaks off today in the mighty name of Jesus. It looses its grip today in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you that supernatural joy and supernatural peace is coming upon your people. Lord, let this word that I've taught today build such a faith in their hearts that there would be no question about it. Every trick of the devil is already failing right now today. It will not take hold of their mind. It'll not take hold of their family. It'll not take hold of their calling, their purpose. We're not letting our foot off the gas. We're pressing in by the power of your spirit. And these last six months are going to be the greatest months that we've ever seen by the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for that. We give you glory for that in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you that there's nobody else like you. There's nobody else. You're the one who has given us victory. You're the one who's filled us with power. We thank you that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. We have a treasure hidden inside this earthen vessel. So we give you glory today, Lord. We give you praise. We thank you for quick turnarounds. Now, Lord, for those that are struggling, those that are battling, maybe sickness has tried to come on their body. Maybe these things have tried to touch their family. We rebuke it in Jesus' mighty name. I command every foul attack of the enemy to loose its grip and let you go today in the wonderful name of Jesus. We thank you for that. We give you, Lord, all the praise and glory in Jesus' wonderful name. And if you believe it, somebody shout aloud, amen. Somebody throw some hands up in the comments, throw some fire up. Let me know you're standing with me today, believing for the very best. And so here, I want to give you an opportunity to sow a seed today. Why? We're putting ourselves in position for the best last half of a year that we've ever had. I'm making sure I've got so much seed in the ground that the devil's grinding his teeth down to the nubs, my friend. I've got seed in the ground right now that's going to produce a harvest like I've never, ever experienced before. And every year we're doing more. Set that goal for yourself. Every year I'm going to do more. And so I want to encourage you. Maybe you're watching, you've never sown a seed. I want to encourage you to sow a seed. But if you're watching and you've never partnered with this ministry, now's the time. I mean, literally, Jesus is coming. There's work to be done. And we're going to go after souls. We're going to go after the hearts of men and women. I refuse to give this generation and this final uh, amount of time that we have on the earth, I'm not giving it over to the devil. He'll not write the final chapter in Jesus' name. And so be a part of what God's doing. What Carolyn and I have been called to do, stand with us. And uh, we, I, I really believe we have some of the best partners in the world. And I'm excited about this because at the end of October, we're going to be meeting with you again for the Victory Tribe Homecoming Weekend that's coming up October 28th and 29th. You still have time. Listen, if you partner with us today, you've got time. Come, come and be with us. Come hang with us. We've got some amazing things we're going to share. God's taken this ministry to new levels. I'm, I can't even wait to share it with you. And it's going to be... Um, 
in uh, Allentown slash Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Friday night, we have revival service. Saturday, we've got the brunch and luncheon uh, kind of smashed into one. I can't wait. It's going to be phenomenal. And I've got some things I want to share with you. And uh, Jenna's going to be contacting you about that as well because we need to get those RSVPs happening as soon as possible. Um, Yanil said, or no, who, was, who said? Ninja said, where in York is the tent? Uh, Jesus Girl is asking. Um, if you look on our website, you can find the address of the lot. We're at Allen Field. It's called Allen Field. And the address is on the web page as well. You can get it. We'd love to see you there if you can make it. Um, those of you that are partnering with us, thank you. And um, we have some things that we want to share with you this month, some gifts that we want to send you. But if you have stood with us in partnership, if you're sowing a seed, make sure you go to miracleword.com forward slash offer and make sure you fill out the form so we know where to send the gifts. And um, Laura's asking, will we be able to bring the kids to the Victory Tribe homecoming? Uh, certain ages of kids will be uh, fine to come, Laura. And so when Jenna contacts you and we set it up and you go to the RSVP page, you'll see all that info there as well. We had some kids there last year. And uh, so, yeah, there'll, there'll, be, there'll be opportunity for kids to be there as well. Again, we're here in York, Pennsylvania all week, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. These services are being live streamed. So if you'd like to watch the tent meeting, you can't get here, but you'd like to watch it, you can go to my father's uh, Facebook page or his YouTube channel, Ted Shuttlesworth Faith Alive on, on Facebook uh, and Ted Shuttlesworth uh, Faith Alive on, on YouTube. Search it. You can watch these services live streamed uh, each night at 7 p.m. Eastern time. It's been awesome. And uh, we have full praise and worship being streamed, everything. It's, it's great. Get your faith built up and, be, and come be a part of it. I know you'll enjoy it. I love you. I'm going to be live all this week right here from York. And so I will see you in the morning as well, 1030 a.m., just like normal, all week long. I love you. Have a great day. And I'll talk to you again very soon. Later, guys. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.